For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? to On My Block Packers Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Well, we have a special guest host today. Mike Flanagan is back. Former Pro Bowl Center for the Green Bay Packers, future Packer Hall of Famer, Mike Flanagan. How you doing, Mike? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks for the, the plug there, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep fucking plugging it. Uh, it's like I've already blew I already blew the show. I'm gonna yeah. keep plugging it till it happens. I'm looking at the clock. 22 seconds of getting <laughs> Okay, listen, we're talking preseason football. Like, you and I are offensive linemen, so preseason means something completely different to us than everybody else. But just take us back, your player. When I say preseason football, what are your your real thoughts on preseason games, prepping, all of that stuff? Like, how do you remember that? Uh, I don't want to say a waste of time, but uh, (laughs) – There's a little Please, bit of candid. You kind of, yeah, no, I mean, you got, you know how it is, man. You got, you have to get a roll and you have to have some, you can only simulate playing against another team so much. So you need a little bit of time, but I mean, the need for four or five games uh, for the younger guys, for sure. But the reality is when you're an older guy, and you got a family at home and you're, you're pretty established. Last thing I want to do is no offense to St. Norbert's, but go sleep in a you know, small little dorm. Although you were a hell of a room. I was going to say we had great, we had some great times. There. What are you talking about? <laughs> we had some great card games. That's some damn funny stories. That's for sure. I'll tell you what. Hey, so I'm gonna I gotta do a quick quick weed for our sponsor, Bet Online. So Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all of your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, AG's thing, and even golf. So Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code. Believe 50, B-L-E-A-V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, Bet Online where the game starts. Mike, you live in Las Vegas. There was some news coming out today about John Gruden nixing a potential Tom Brady thing. What do you think the odds would have been on that? On uh, the Super Bowl for the Raiders, Tom Brady and Gronk show up. You knowing, Gruden, knowing Gruden and how he loves those you know old QBs, especially a guy of his stat, obviously Brady's stature, I'm surprised he got nixed. And I'm also, you know, you got to figure out the source. You know, Dana White may not be the most uh, reliable of sources. But I think Gronk was like, yeah, because was, he was on Gronk cast during oh. the UFC fight. And I think Gronk was like, yeah, it was going to happen. <laughs> it's pretty, I mean, now were, were you, I think you were in Green Bay when Gruden was there, right? No, I, I missed him oh. by. Did you miss him? Okay. Yeah, I, but, yeah. I, I never, I've never crossed paths with him except when he was like doing TV announcements. And yeah. I'll tell you what, the guy's, the guy's an absolute riot. Like I actually love, as far as character goes, the guy's something else. But to nix a Tom Brady deal, even though you might like Derek Carr, and there was a deal like, do you like Derek Carr or not? And then I think they ended up building houses right next to each other in, in Las Vegas before he yeah, got before he so. got axed. So they're boys, right? But what but, I, can you I imagine mean, if Tom Brady and Gronk would have been? Can you imagine if Gronk in Las Vegas when they're doing well? Oh. 
Oh, oh God, that guy would have would have killed it. But I, you can't. I have a hard time believing that the goat. I mean, hands down, one of the greatest players ever to play the game at any position in any sport. Really, to say he almost it almost happened, but maybe almost is a very you know relative term. It could have been that we had some open discussions and that became almost, or yeah. you know, Dana White, a PR guy, Gronk is by essentially a PR guy. Maybe he got blown up, but how the hell do you blow up if it is? I know. Do you think because Danny White's involved? My my first thought is like, well, they'll probably want time to like buy into Zufa or whatever, whoever owns UFC. I mean, you just start going like, there's so many things that could happen when you're in Las Vegas, anyways, as you well know, oh, yeah. that he could have sweetened the pot in, in a number of different ways. He probably owned part of a hotel. He probably he probably is Randy's boss next next time we see Randy. Uh, you talk about you talk about uh, Brady going anywhere. There's going to be some pot sweeteners. I mean, just the yeah. just the attention and notoriety and everything else that he brings. I mean, you hear what was already talked about the Miami Dolphins were brought into play. You know, all the stuff that you know has been going on, and uh, I I would have that would have been funny to see in Miami. See him trying to almost be as a almost be, probably pulled himself out of the owner's box and go play. So I'm better than these guys still, but uh, you know what? I think that would be the problem. I mean, like I was in Miami for a couple of years. I, I, it's not, I don't want to say it's dysfunctional. I think you know, everything, it, you know, it's very fluid, but it wasn't the most functionally sound place I've ever been a part of as far as football goes. So sometimes you should really- yeah, it takes obviously a ton of money, but uh, just because you have money doesn't mean you know know about football. And it's a hard, hard dynamic to do. I mean, obviously, Stephen Ross has been successful in a million different things in life. You know, one of the richest guys on the planet, but doesn't mean he knows how to put a team together. Doesn't know he eventually. I'm sure the business side of it will win out because as he does with everything, but doesn't make a good football team always. Well, you know what happens too is is you you hear about like the best leaders in the world. People are super successful. What do they do? They 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 try yep. to delegate, delegate, yep. and, and empower, right? And then then you start got to ask yourself questions like, well, who are you putting in charge of or who are you delegating this authority to? And then you start looking around like that. At least my experience, that, that could have been part of the issue. But listen, because you're offensive lineman, we're going to do <laughs> offensive line takeover today. So here's how we're going to format this. we got to talk Packers and Saints. So Packers beat the Saints 20-10 this preseason game. I just want to go like really briefly over like the skill positions because we really don't care. And then we're going to go <laughs> right into all the trench stuff. All right, fair enough? Absolutely. Go for okay. it. Okay. Okay. So, hey, real quick, let's just talk skill talk. Last week when Jordan Love came off the field, he had three interceptions, two two touchdowns. And when I watched the tape, like I really don't – I know those receiver mistakes and Aaron Rodgers is doing a really good job of like covering for Jordan Love as far as the running the wrong routes to go and the stuff right and wrong. Like he – the problem was timing. It, you know, because we, when we look at things, it's like do you look confident? Do you look like you have command of the offense? Do you have timing? He didn't have that last week. Jordan Love had it this week. Now, his stat line wasn't great. It was 50%. He, had, he made a couple – there's some guys made some plays for him again. Dobbs was out there. Uh, Winfrey was out there making – Juwan Winfrey was out there making plays. But from a timing standpoint, he looked so much better. And I was just trying to think back. Like we had Doug Peterson. You had Matt Hasselbeck, Aaron Brooks. I don't. I, I can't remember if you might have had some – maybe Mark Brunel, some of those guys before. I can't because you were two years before me. But when you had young guys coming in from a preseason standpoint – or these these backup quarterbacks was there because you're playing center you're kind of the quarterback of the offensive line and the rest of the offense was there anything that people were whispering in your ear as far as coaches go like hey man we really got to worry about this because we have a younger quarterback in there oh always i mean excuse me especially in the preseason when you don't know you, you don't you don't spend time scouting much on the other team you see you watch a little bit of film on them but you're not fully diving into what they do and also the you know the coaches do talk beforehand so whoever was the head coach talking with the other head coach going hey just don't blitz us on this situation or don't do this because we know you're going to kill us you know right. so it's there's always a little bit when you got a younger guy come in you know you got to make sure your, your communication is a little clearer and that you know if there's a little bit of information that you could normally i wouldn't have to i mean like playing with you were playing with Brad or Marco, there's a lot of nonverbal communication that would go on. Yeah. And all of a sudden, 
you guys. I mean, I felt the next year when you and Marco were gone, there's no more non, there could be nonverbal communication, but it means I'm talking to myself. The guys next to me have no idea what's going on. <laughs> you had to be prepared and make sure to enunciate your words very clearly uh, so everybody gets on the same page. But it's just, you know, anytime I like, I was, I had Brett behind me for five years and go ahead and insert a joke right there. But uh, you, know, you, you get accustomed to certain things. You put a new guy in, so things do change up every once in a while. You know, I, I think the I, I just remember very specifically. I think it was my first, it was my second preseason game. We we're down in Miami, and I was like, you know, I we've talked about how bad I was, but, <laughs> but growing, I'll, never, growing I'll never forget Tom Levat. You know, this is like after Tom and Mike were just like, you know, two deuces to you. You're not, we're not playing this year. We're not coaching you. I remember he walked over to you. You were in the game. I, I felt bad for you, but you walked over. You were in the game. And we were playing against like slap, like third string slappies. And, and he, coach was like, I don't care what they call you, better go to wall every time. <laughs> I was like, sitting right there. I was like, man, I really don't know what I'm doing. This is pretty bad. <laughs> hey, look, uh, I had a similar thing when we played. Uh, remember, we played in Tokyo that one year, playing in Kansas City. And that was the very first preseason, pre- first game I played in after breaking my leg. And this is two years later. And I don't think I've had one conversation with Holmgren the whole time I'm there. And I got, I, like we go down, we get down to the goal line. I had a holding call or I had an offsides call. And then we're on a, a sweep to the left. I got, I, I got run over, but it looked like it was a holding thing. Yeah. So I'm coming off the field after it was a touchdown. I got pulled back. Holmgren's following me, mirror me all the way down the sideline. I'm trying to avoid him. But yeah. Are you trying to get the dumb F of the year? We're on your first day back. God, I'm like, wow, I really didn't need that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, you're playing, Red Ro- you're playing Red Rover on the line, trying to, trying to break through, trying to break through the line without Mike getting there. That's hilarious. I'm man. trying to my, not put my helmet on sideways because the first game I haven't played in so long. Oh no! So I was there when you put your helmet on sideways. So we're, it, we'll we'll go nostalgic real quick. But Frank Winters, Chewy, and, and Brett. Let's just say they showed up like 30 minutes before game time. It was against the Oak. It was against the Oakland Raiders at the time, and yeah. <laughs> they were not they were not in great shape. And no. Frankie had like a personal foul, a holding call, and like an off, or like a false snap or something yeah. like that. And and, and Holgren's like, "You're out of the game, Flanagan. What? 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 You're in, was, strapped up, ready to go." And, and Delibot, Frank, there was another guy there. I was, Delibot was there. What? He was just the first person he saw. And Frank, I just never forget this. One, Frank Winters was legendary to me. Like second day I was there, he goes, "Can I go home?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my uh, the other favorite, my other love one I love about Frank is when Holmgren gets after his like You gotta make that. He, oh, you go make that block. I can't yeah. make that. Block. <laughs> like good job. He's trying to reach a three technique or something, right? Yeah, like, oh, man. Only Frank could. Only Frank could do that. Or when hey, was, got, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just having Frank flashbacks when they played in Toronto and uh, Brett missed uh, missed curfew, and so he comes. Holmgren can't go to Brett, so he goes to Frank. <laughs> what, what were you doing today? That's- Hey, hey, if it wasn't for me, he would have been three hours late instead of two. Listen, I was trying to so, – so Dobbs is turning some heads at, at training camp, and then Juwan Winfrey had a good game, and he started thinking about these young receivers because we don't get to see any of the veteran receivers right now, so everybody talks about these young receivers and how they can be able to add to the offense. I was trying to think back. We had Corey Bradford came in my, my draft class. I think Driver was the next year, but he was kind of like Corey's guy more than like his own guy at that point. He's like a fifth-round draft pick, late guy. Didn't really know he was going to be what what he turned out to be. I'm talking about Driver now. Yeah. We had uh, we had Juwan come in. He was a first round draft pick. I'm just trying to remember guys that did. There, did anybody ever come in? Maybe it was Bubba, and I know he was a tight end. But did a receiver, a skill guy, ever come in where you're like, this guy's going to get it and he's going to get it really fast? 
yeah, you know what? I had Ferguson had that. Robert Ferguson had just it was more of the persona than anything else. Maybe I bought into the tattoos and the pit bulls a little on his arm a little bit too much, but he was very uh, sure of himself. I loved him. Yeah, yeah, you know, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean receiver. You know, it's it's funny some of those skill positions you have, to have such a confidence about him, short memory and a lot of confidence. Uh, but somebody to come in like really blowing it up. I mean, I know obviously Javon uh, Walker was came in, showed a lot of things. Knew he'd be pretty good, Ferguson. But uh, no, it's, it's just a hard because you have to get timing with Brett. You have to get timing with Hasselback or whoever was yeah. you know at that point. And that takes a little time to develop. And quarterbacks, sure enough, all it takes is one drop in a situation where he clearly should have caught it. That's all it takes for Aaron to go. Well, next time. All things equal, I'm going the other way. So it's that's just, what we saw. That's what we saw in the San Fran game. It it looks like at least when we talked in the playoffs last year, when he's kind of he's kind of had his eyes trained yeah. on on onto uh, Devontae. But I always thought to Bubba, and I know he's playing tight end, but because he could come in, he was a serviceable blocker, a willing blocker early on. He was a red zone target. He made the Pro Bowl, I think, his first three years in the league. He was a guy that came in. He was just and he was just you know University of Miami was kind of tight end. You at the time they had all those guys coming in. He was, a, he was a guy that I thought really showed up early and often. But uh, I just remember, like, Driver. I remember the first year Driver was there. You go, like, oh, okay, this, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a nice guy and the whole thing. He's, yeah. You know, he's kind of got an interesting kind of look. And the way he moves is a little bit different. But I never knew he was going to be as special as he was, you know? No, it's hard. Well, obviously, they drafted him in the seventh round. Not many people did. Uh, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Seeing those guys, knowing and that's that's why they have twenty guys watching college every college practice, every college game, find action to be able to predict that sort of thing. But those are the gems that make you know made Ron Wolf and you know whoever was if it was Ron and not Sherman sure drafted. That's what makes them good at what they do. Yeah, Schneider, Dorsey, all those guys. You think about the tree that Ron Wolf has, unbelievable, right? And it's yeah. you hit on a couple of those, man. It's like careers made. It's awesome. Oh yeah, kingmaker. He's a king. Ron Wolf is a real kingmaker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, hey, let's go to Trench Warfare. Let's talk about offensive, defensive line. Now, look, I, you know, the first thing, if AG was here, we're going to talk about running backs. And, and uh, you know, there's a good competition between Goodson and Taylor right now for that third running back spot. It's super hard when you're looking at this stuff. And I'll just talk offense first. Like, when we talk offensive line, we've got our starters in for the pretty much the first half, at least into the second quarter of the game. And, uh, you know, we're missing Bakhtiari and we're missing Elgin Jenkins. But the guys that would start day one are in the game. And one, time, and one thing you kind of – I think I, I look at it at least is like – if our starters are in, we kind of expect to dominate them if their if their star players aren't in. So they had a couple guys that were were playing. They had uh, like uh, Kaveri Street from um, San Francisco was in, Tuttle was in, but like Cam Jordan's not playing, Mario Davis isn't playing. So you kind of think you're going to open it up a little bit. You got your third string or fourth string running backs in. It's not like it wasn't just all you can eat. Like you know, sometimes you hope it's going to be, but it's really not going to be that way, is it? No, it's just once again, it goes with timing. And, you know, obviously not having the breakdown of what the call was versus the play. You know, sometimes it could have been a missed assignment or sometimes it could have been a bad read. Or sometimes it just could have been you got the starters in front of you going, just get me through a couple plays and get me out of here. There's a, a million things it could be. But, you know, when they don't have – when you don't have your your tackles there, it makes it it makes it makes tough. Uh, but those in, interior guys doing that was you – know, You'd like to see a little more consistency when they're not playing against the stud number ones, but at the same time, the mentality for a preseason game is just tough to. It's not the same thing as a regular season game, so give the guys a little bit of a little bit of a break on it. Now, if it came out the next week and they did the same game against backups, then you start going, eh, maybe it's something we got to worry about. Yeah, and the problem is now, like none of these guys actually. So they really get to work against the ones during the week because they do the joint yeah. practice. Like they really don't get the, anything now. But you think about you think about Dobson, or excuse me, you think about Goodson and Taylor competing for that third spot. And, you know, when we were kind of at our peak, we got three running backs. We we had AG and he was by himself, but we also had Najee and we had Tony Fisher. And those guys, 
not only did they come in, but they came in and they were averaging four and a half, five yards of carry. They all kind of had, I was trying to think if they had their kind of niche plays, you know, AG was kind of the power guy, but then was Tony like a screen guy, a third down back. Najee could kind of run everything. I, ha- I remember him having a breaking off a huge run off a 17 stutter against the St. Louis Rams back in the day when we couldn't, we couldn't piss a drop in the bucket, you know, but I don't know. How do you remember that as far as like, were we, when, when certain guys came in, were you thinking like, okay, we're definitely going to start running these plays or did it matter? No, you definitely, I think your, your recollection is correct. I mean, I, I can, I mean, AG was, we're going to run, not, we're, we're going to pull you around on the right side. He's going to follow up. And that's what it is. I mean, what was it? 25 out of 26 short yardage plays that year that we got only missed that one. I think it was, We'll just say it was AG's fault since he wasn't here, isn't here. Uh, but no, Dot Najee was Najee was that guy in the, the north and south, one cut, like straight ahead runner. So if he, you get him a sweep and get him a hole, he's gonna be a tough guy. And, and the fish, I remember all the, the stutters, the screens, you know, that third down kind of stuff. He was really good being patient with it. Do you ever remember a time? So, do you ever remember a, like a preseason game and you had to play against like a good player? Never and, then, and then they and then they sh- and then like you show up to the game and he's not playing. Like, do you ever remember, do you oh. remember that happening? Oh yeah, yeah. I, Dude. You get we get psyched in for one thing, and then it's something else. It I, just. I remember we. I remember playing. We were playing the Miami Dolphins and uh, Daryl Gardner. No, so Daryl Gardner. The first time I was going to play off guard, you were in, and it was just my second year in the league, and he beat. The, I said something to him because we ran a play in, on third down where he basically inside rushed me, and you were there to stop him. And I said, "Ah, you ain't whatever, you know." And I just remember him going, "Oh yeah." <laughs> and the rest of the game, he stayed in like a starter stayed in until the fourth quarter to beat my ass. So then two years later, I'm feeling myself now. I feel pretty good. He's coming, they're back up for a preseason game, third game. And I'm I'm gonna give it to him now. I got really, really hyped up for this game, maybe more so than I would for a usual like preseason. It was it was personal, right? Because he had beat me really bad. And then and then something happened that night and he slept on his bed wrong and hurt his back. He didn't play. And I remember that's when we came up with that was when we started using the term meat puppet the guy that was, because the guy behind him was so bad comparatively so bad. That, that so meat puppet or handlebar, whatever you want. Like it basically meant that the guy was just giving his chest and, and hand, for, for those yeah. that are listening. Imagine having two handlebars where your nipples are and we could just grab them whenever we wanted and hang on for, for life. So this guy, this 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 poor kid got got the nickname with our team meat puppet because Daryl Gardner decided not to show up. On, on, yeah. on the hype train you're, that night. The only thing you're not doing is you, to give you a little. Daryl Gardner is one of the most intimidating human <laughs> in my life. I mean, he's all the first time I saw him, we we're in the at the combine. He's, we came out same year, and I walked on the elevator, and he was on there, and I literally went, "Oh!" and took a step back. It was so scary. I'm just walking in the elevator with the guy, yeah. but I looked over something about, "Oh, you got." When he went to Denver, he was there for short term. I don't know if you remember that one, but mm-hmm. I look over, I'm, "Oh, got a new tattoo!" Holy my God, that's the whole Bible written on his arm. <laughs> Yeah, three hundred ten yeah. pounds, six pack. You got a problem, Mike? Oh, you got a problem, dude? Unbelievable. I mean, I don't. Yeah, that, that guy was. I mean, if there's a freak of nature, that was that was one of them. You know that Spellman, those two guys. Yes. Oh, Spellman. Yeah, that's funny. It, yeah. So, couple couple observations for this game. Number one, so they moved Royce. They moved Royce, Royce Newman to right tackle. Okay, they put Jake Hansen in at right guard. I love the way. Just a general statement. I love the way that our offensive line tries to play with extended arms. So yeah. when they get into passport and they punch and extend, they're not – because, listen, we know that defensive tackles, defensive ends, they're trying to get into your body. They're trying to get into your, into your elbows and armpits. So if you can play extended, you're giving yourself leverage. You're giving yourself time to, to recover. And our guys, Jake Hansen does a really good job of playing extended. Royce Newman, 
he's got to work on his strength a little bit. That play strike, that was something that we came into the, the, the season last year, being a rookie out of Old Miss. Hey, you're going to develop that body. He is developing that body, but it's going to take a little bit longer, I think, to get to that strength where you can really anchor down and not be a liability kind of from that bull rush, especially the right tackle position. Um, and then I think, like, generally, like, listen, if you have good pockets early, like, what are we looking for from an offensive line? You go back into the room where you're going at halftime from with, with the ones. You go, are you creating good pockets is love have enough time to throw? Yes. Okay. That's probably number one, two, and three. And then four, are you creating some holes in the running game? It could have been a little bit better. We could have got some movement, a little bit better movement on our double teams. I thought the backside was great as it as it has continued to be over the last couple of years. But you know, it's it's stuff to build on. Zach Tom, I don't know if you've been watching it all, Mike, but Zach Tom was it was a draft pick this year, I think out of Wake Forest. He is a phenomenal athlete. He's like a guy who runs like a sub 540. You know, he's, you know, 300 pounds, kid can move, he can bend, he can do it all. They put him kind of all around the offensive line during training camp. He played right tackle in the second quarter. This is one of those kids that you're like, okay, he can, like, he can play. He might not be able to play tomorrow, but he can play pretty soon. And he literally, there was a whole series where they started running that outside zone, man. And he was literally eating the lunch of this three technique. I mean, planted oh. on his back. Oh, dude, put him at seven, eight yards uh, behind the line of scrimmage on his back like wow. two or three times in a row. Oh, dude, it was so much fun to watch. And like offensive line, that's like, that's porn for us, right? Oh, my God. You got him 10 yards back behind the line of scrimmage. You dumped him on his ass. Oh, my God. Here, have ice cream. You know, like, what do you want? Keep eating more. You don't see very often where you guys get rolled over on their back. I mean, it happens, and sometimes you guys dump it off, but it happened multiple times in a row. But getting a three-tech, that's one of the hardest blocks in football is getting getting that getting that three-tech because they're all they're supposed to do is stretch and get, you know, yeah. Give you the distance and have him. That's pretty impressive. I'm guessing that the guy watching the film on the other side isn't going to have his job for too long. But to be you get humiliated like that and back. You, and yeah, and you don't. You, I mean, you're, like I, I, I. Somebody was saying they're playing against the JV team, and I'm like, look, dude, these are prof- these are first of all, they're grown ass men and they're professional yeah. football players. So let's just take it easy. But I don't. You don't know if it was second, third, fourth team because I'm not. I don't care enough to pay attention to the yeah. to their roster. You know, I was thinking about what the hardest block is on the back side, and like. You know, I, I'll be interested in your perspective. For me, that that inside zone block on a against a two wide where you don't get center help for a guard, and that is a tough. I, that for me, that was a tough block. I'm guessing for you, it's probably harder on the play side, like a reach or something, though. Yeah, for uh, especially on a, usually on first center, the snap hand uh, hooking that yeah. guy on your shoulder that way so you're down a hand and reaching across your body and trying you lose a lot of power and the only way to move to the right with the snaps i got a crossover and the crossover is where you give a lot so you can get bowed back but uh yeah no that puts you anytime on an inside run like that running away from you but to the other to the other side it's hard to get your head inside they put him there for a reason to make it as difficult as possible sure enough he can either he can either crush the hole or crush you back and so it's you know i like the i like the idea now to see guys especially doing green bay more self chip off chip off to the backside and use that to push push the the other way then the center give a little help there so the, the three technique ricochet off yeah yeah but yeah you, you, you know what the hardest thing too is like we always talk, we do talk technical now but like i even saw this today i was watching a practice and you ever like you, you're trying to run like an as outside or mid zone and you got you get your head across and you feel like you have leverage so what do you do you like you like start turning your whole body back then they play over the top and beat you like that's yeah. still like it's like the it's the most when you watch it on tape it's like the most obvious thing in the world but when you're in the middle of it man it's really hard to stay on that like on those railroad tracks. It's hard to stay on that track. Even if you think you have the guy leverage, cause you think he's going to get pushed across. Or you're trying to fight against him. Like it's, I mean, it, when it looks good or when it, you know, when it looks good on tape, you're like, Oh, this is easy. But it's very hard. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, you don't you don't see the same thing that AG or whoever the running back is. You don't you don't know exactly what he sees, but you think you get that edge. You're supposed to get him hooked like that, and then all of a sudden he cuts back into the hook. Well, it's because the receiver missed, didn't come down on the block, so that guy's running free, so he's running away from him, runs into. Hey, I did my thing right. Why didn't that go? It's a little gotta worry about check that team mentality a little bit. I got my guy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's but on at the same time, it is kind of the toughest thing about the sport because like. I remember when we were like one and five, and we had just lost to the Titans. Remember that one year we were really bad. Like two, oh. we ended up making the playoffs. But I remember that you know somebody asked me like, "What are you going to do to get better?" And I go, "I just kind of was like quiet for it." I'm like, "I don't think I'm playing that bad. Like I think it's going to come <laughs> around." You know what I mean? I'm like I don't really think we're. I don't know what's happening. It's just it's not working. But I'm not. You can't really figure out why. Like you're winning your individual matchups, but collectively we're not winning our collective matchups. It's it's a weird deal. But that's that, you know, it's a team sport. Like you said, 11 people, 22 on the field, refs, grass, weather, all of it, man. Well, you got, you got, you got as you said, you got 11 guys on the field, 10 do their job perfectly. Still doesn't mean it's not an interception or a sack or a tackle for a loss yeah. or, or a touchdown for that matter. You know, it's just a, that's part of the, the fun of team sports, is, you know, relying on everybody else and really trying to come together and do it together. Try to I explain saw- that didn't work. I tell you what, the hard the hard part is like so the first the first unit goes out they bring in two guys so they get rid of Myers and JRJ they bring some new guys in and like Jordan Love takes he takes a sack he, I think he offensive lineman he took a sack on one of them he held right? on yeah he held on too long he scrambled when he doesn't need to the pocket didn't collapse and then he took a sack on the next play and so like you know you drop your two best guys the new guys come in kid takes two sacks in a row and you're just going like he, you know we've been there man you know how bad you get back on the sidelines you're just like well. It ain't going to be a good night tonight. You better call mom and see what's for dinner. You know? uh, check that ego at the door and develop some thick skin real quick. So you oh, know you- dude. <laughs> hey, listen, Bakhtiari's coming back. He got off PIP. He's a five-time All-Pro. I mean, the guy's, you know, arguably the best offensive lineman the Green Bay Packers have had in the last 50 years, right? I mean, the guy's amazing. You know, because we were all, like, you know, we, we look at our ages, when we came in the league and kind of where we all are. You and Marco were a couple of years older, but really we're kind of all in, you know, in the same boat, right? Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, like Bakhtiari comes back, and I think, like, oh, my God, I think the influence that he can have as a force multiplier for the young guys and his professionalism and just, like, he's all, you know, it's like um, I don't really even know how to say it. It would be like, you know, I played with Walter Jones. When Walter Jones walked in at practice, all of a sudden, everyone would be like, "Oh, that's how you're—that's how it's supposed to look every time." You know what I mean? Have you ever had anybody like that where you're just like, "Oh, well, that's what it's supposed to look like every time." I don't, I don't well, know. If, it wasn't really like that for us. Well, you know, there was there was time. Remember when? Uh, now, yeah, I mean, obviously, Favre's that kind of guy, but it, the, you, yeah. you can tell like when he come in practice, it was live, it was real, it was legit. Like all of a sudden, it's we're really working. Where before, like, wow, you know, Brad will get it, Brad will get it, Brad will get it. But I mean, I didn't, I. I mean, no, no offense to you, no offense to you or Marco or Chad or Tausch, but you know, there, um, I never played with the guy of that of Walter Jones, yeah. like from the Hall of Fame yeah. Hall of, on the offensive line. Uh, obviously, you know, on the other side of the ball, I saw Reggie. Reggie, there's a perfect example. Reggie mm-hmm. was practice, going through the motions, going through the. All of a sudden, he comes into a game like, oh yeah, we got this now. But yeah, he's Reggie was a that was one of the funniest guys in the world. I like, I'm, <laughs> I got it. Too young, too young, but great guy. Yeah, no, it really, yeah, it really was. Um, Let's let's switch over. Let's switch over to the defense, man. And, and we drafted Quay Walker with our first pick. And a lot of people, it was kind of it was, you know, controversial, whatever. I mean, it's Goody knows what he's doing. You know, obviously better than you and I do sitting on these microphones. But uh, I'll keep talking while this thing dies out on me. Sometimes my uh, <laughs> listen. This is part of the this is part of the joy of being on uh, on a podcast. Is sometimes the the cameras don't work like it's supposed to. But Chris Barnes is a guy that got drafted. He's a UCLA guy. Got drafted. A couple of years ago, started almost immediately, 
and has played really well for this team. So they draft Quay, and you start going, listen, from a physical standpoint, this Georgia linebacker can really do some unique things. But Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie, they're both showing out in the preseason. And Quay Walker's one of those guys, he kind of reminds me of Nick Barnett in that he he's coming in. He's a I don't know if he I don't know if he's light or he plays light, but he doesn't take on downhill blocks very well. He can't get off, he can't get off linemen. So he's one of those guys that's kind of like making tackles 10, 12 yards down the field. Uh, and I just don't know for me, like I want the guy in the game that can stuff the run, you know, for a two-yard, a two-yard gain or, or 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 no gain or get, you know, two-yard loss. But when you remember, I was just trying to think of like Nick Barnett's first season. I think he came in and linebackers were bigger back then. So I think he was like 230 or 235. Like, do you remember? I mean, I remember my reaction when they put him in middle linebacker. Do you remember what you thought? Because, and I haven't said all this, Nick was a hell of a good player. Yeah. It turned out no. to be a great pro. But yeah, no, Nick was, I mean, clearly sideline to sideline it, but coming downhill was not what I think once or twice he caught me off guard coming downhill because mm. you get so used to him being so fast and running around all over the field. If, you, if I didn't take like perfect steps to get out on a sweep or something, yeah. I know. but yeah, he wasn't going to be a downhill guy. But then every once in a while, as he, uh, you know, as the swagger got better, he became, became more proven player. He'd come downhill and pop you every once in a while when you weren't ready for it. But yeah, no, he was I, at the time. I remember thinking he was more of a glorified safety, which didn't give him enough credit for what he, you know, what he did over the course of his career. But at the, at the beginning, that's kind of what I thought. So he was still learning, and you could get him on an edge, and he wouldn't come downhill. He was dropping before he was coming down. So it's just those things. You got like that. Yeah, he'll be okay in the future. He got he got really good really fast. Yeah, it, and he put on some pounds too. And I, you know, I look at Quay Walker. Look, the guy certainly has a skill set. It's obvious. But you got to, I mean, if you can't stack and shed in this league, man, it's going to be, it's going to be tough because guys will find you out. And yeah. one thing I think that offensive coordinators are doing a better job now, if you look at the last couple of years, is like, it's not just going to be about their schemes and I'm not going to change for anybody. I'm going to find the worst person on your team and I'm going to exploit them. And oh. If you're the worst person in the run game, like, hey, guess what, buddy? We're going right at you every time until you prove you can get off my guard. Well, that's what, that's what coaches, that's what we do. When you and I would break down film, we look for where's, who's the meat puppet? Who's, you know, where, yeah, yeah. where do we? Can go at it and that is i mean the the great the great and bad of the you know, nfl is it you'll get exposed good and bad either way and it's not going to take long to figure out i mean we got i remember that whole when beck uh when he found that we were playing against tampa and they'd get into that wide nine that we knew that meant they were coming this way and we yeah. ran saw it twice in the game it was two touchdowns i think it was 60 yeah. yards oh yeah the big game down in tampa i remember that yeah i remember it well it was 98 you, hand up solid right 98 yeah hands, yep. anything you get any little bit of information like that <laughs> Just, I mean, when I talk about going from those the lame, going from a nine to a wide nine or to a seven or a wide seven, whatever, whatever it was, just that little bit. You're talking about where the guy on the end of the line moves, moves the stance six inches to the left or six inches to the right. We know that play. When it comes, everybody's rolling that way. They're slanted against it. We're going, where do we go? Sort of thing, you know? It's, am it's amazing you think about all of the preparation that, that, that gets put into by the coaching staff and all that, you know, they relay all that information. And then also, the advantage that you can have as a center, my, myself as a guard, really at any position, just by understanding what the person across from you, what their stance means, yeah. where it is, what hands down, where their weight is, have they switched weight on their, on their feet, have they squared up? All these things, all these external cues mean so much. And like as an added bonus, it, it gets you to stop thinking about like all the bad stuff that could happen because you can focus <laughs> on like, oh, this X, like if he does X, he's going to do Y and I can react to it and win, and win, this, uh, win this round. 
Yeah, no, that, and but that's that's the difference between winning and losing this, in this league. Is that you find that little bit of information and you exploit it as long and as hard as you can. And if you can't fix it, it's going to keep coming. There's no. I remember Don is telling. We remember they always bring that fuck the safety down a week. And the second Nile would go from the a gap to a, on my shoulder, we'd know what it was. I mean, yeah. before the kick even came down. So calling that, I told that to. I told, remember telling that to Ed halfway through training camp. He said. Have you done this the whole camp? That, yeah. He goes, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> it just kind of walks away. But, yeah, you figure, you know, it's your own guys. I know I'm going to see it that many times. But uh, It's just a bunch of P. It's just a bunch of P majors, like, running around out there with yeah. whistles and, like, co- and coaching us. Man, it's unbelievable. You knew that the whole time? Well, yeah, yeah. And I graduated from UCLA. I got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, let's talk – Defensive line. The Saints always have a well-coached offensive line. They've been good for years. I know they got a couple different pieces in place. They actually drafted the guy, uh, uh, Trevor uh, or Trevor or Tyler Penning, who was a That's small school. Fights. Yeah, he's the kid that keeps fighting everybody. He actually looked pretty good, though. I got to give him credit. So we learned a couple things this week. First of all, our other first-round draft pick from Georgia, Devontae Wyatt, he can move, but he plays a little bit high, so that's something he's going to have to improve on. Look, coming from college, a whole different I think the, I think the jump – from college to pro is harder than the jump from high school to college. Is that fair? At least that's that's probably because where I played. That's probably because where I played. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. the Naval Academy, when you guys were wing T, weren't you? Yeah, way to bring that into. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no. This, I mean, the speed of the game, and you're high. If you're a high lineman playing high, uh, not in the marijuana sense, but uh, that, yeah, that'll definitely. It definitely makes you it can make you irrelevant real fast because everybody low guy, the low guy always wins. And but yeah, the jump. The jump from high school, that's just you're, – you're, you're 17 and 18, still turning into something else, and everybody's still in your age group. Now you're playing against real men. Man strength, as we call it, you know. The yeah. Strength Daddy strength. Yep. Yeah. So, but yeah, that jump. So, yeah, there's there's another jump to take it from playing in the NFL to being good in the NFL. <laughs> also- yeah. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. God, it's, I feel like I tri- – it's funny when you, you look back, you go, man, I literally tripped on every step. That's great. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 so <laughs> you know the – I tried to get fired at every level. No one would do it. I know. It. Gee, it's unbelievable. So, <laughs> so we drafted we drafted the speedster uh, pass rusher uh, Kingsley uh, Edigbari, and this kid shows up. He didn't really show up on the film last week. This week he does show up. He beats that kid. He beats Penning twice for pressures. Beats he he gives one of those ghost Von Miller pass rushes on the other side. The, the right I don't even know the right tackle's name, man. But I'm telling you, he he literally fell on the ground. He whiffs. <laughs> And we we have a problem outside of you know you got Preston Smith and Rashad Gary at outside linebacker the guys that are backing them up have not really delivered they didn't deliver last year I know there was a lot of talk about drafting a guy this year at outside linebacker to back up those or to be a rotational player this kid needs to go into the second string lineup right now because he's got he's just got some sauce to him man on the pass rush side we can teach him all the other stuff that has to do with the run game and playing the edge and re- making the cues. But if a kid can pass rush, it's like it's like Kabir, man. Get him on the field. Find a way to get him on the field and make it fast. If you can do, if you can do one thing really well, and that's you got that. If you got that fast first step coming off the edge, it's. I mean, it, it's it's hard. That's about the most challenging thing there is because the athlete. I mean, as you get farther away from the ball, from guard to guard to tackle, the athletic skills of your opponent become exponentially better. Yeah, you know, the, the big fat guys that can hold their spot. You paid what Bones and Derek Gardner got five million dollars a year just to make sure you didn't move. They grab your crab on both of you, hold you tight, and that was all they had to do to let Zach run, Zach Thomas run free. I used to remember, remember we used to play tractor trailer and, and Keith Washington yeah. in Chicago, and they would just be doing like they'd be doing like the centipede and stuff like before the game because they, they didn't work on pass rush. What pass rush moves? They yeah. didn't care at all. They aim I'm going to be right here every play. I'm not never, going anywhere. 
I met, I actually got to ha- I hung out, hang out with truck for a little while at a, a, a charity thing in Oklahoma a couple years ago. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you, what second I knew you were coming back. I wasn't going anywhere. All I was supposed to do is make sure you didn't push me. And he looked at me and got like, you were going to push me anywhere. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. I knew Mike was going, we were just there to do our job. Just, you know, basically just hold up and make sure I'm not moving. Okay. He said, I get paid not to move. What do you want? That's <laughs> good. God. Best thing about that guy's side note is he played linebacker in, in college. He ran, I, he ran like a sub five. Like he was pretty, was he, like, he was like a, like a all American and was the first round for play for Broncos first. Right. As a linebacker. Yeah, yeah when, man. He just decided <laughs> he loves pancakes, I guess. I don't know, man. Oh man. Oh, that dude is, that cat is so, he was so big. I was after we've been retired a few years. He got to be, got to be close to 400 pounds. I mean, that's Listen, not. Listen, I, I remember hitting Ted Washington. I remember playing Chicago and you know, Bluey Bloody said hi, and it, like you guys were sliding to the right, so I got Ted by myself. And I remember I punched him like four times, and he's <laughs> like, "Hey man," he goes, "Hey man, you can stop punching me." Like the play is over, and like, I couldn't see around him, so I didn't know the ball was gone. I literally, it was like, like you know, like, you know, like when they make like, a fat guy sleeping with his wife, and this is what it looks like from the back. It's like, this oh yeah, sticking out. Like, dude, that's what I look like. It was terrible. I, I still remember watching when we were playing in Chicago. We're watching watching from the end zone film, and yeah. Ted. We're coming towards the camera. Ted's yeah. in point stand, so all you see is his butt, and we only have four linemen because you cannot <laughs> behind him. All you see is both cheeks and his and his cleats. It's like, my God. I mean, literally just you could not see me so big. I mean, it's 400 pounds. I mean, six, seven, hey. four pounds, and you're 100 pounds lighter and maybe about the same height. Hey, let me ask you this. What kind of what kind of defensive line give you the most trouble? First of all, was it – what did you, were you – were you more nervous in the run of the pass? Because you had, you had, I always tell people you have the best hands in the business, right? So, Pat, like, pass pro, almost, you almost pissed me off because, like, man, it's, the pass was so easy for you because your hands were so good. But, like, what, what players gave you trouble? And was it, like, was it harder for you in the run game or the pass game? Uh, Chris Jenkins and all over the place. That guy just, I mean, you, I mean, you know, you went down to Carolina, you saw him every day, but yeah, that him. guy, when he, well, at Hainsworth, when he wanted to play, there's, you know, there's the, the big two, guy. Two same bodies. But tall, yeah. long arms, three hundred thirty yeah. pounds, explosive. I, got, I remember last time we, when I, last time I played against Hainsworth in Tennessee. I got it was a, a block. I was I was a counter, so I was blocking back. Marco was pulling, and he just rolled me up over the pile that's behind me, and he's laying right on top of me. And I looked up at him. We're face mask to face mask, and I'm like three thirty. He goes, ah, I haven't been three thirty in years. <laughs> just that was it. I mean, but he literally, like Chris Jenkins is the other one. I remember hooking him, trying to get him on out sweep to sweep to your side. Get, I get on the edge, and you can just see him. It almost looks like film, like he's just biding his time. Then he goes, oh, there's the ball. Picks me up, throws me off the screen. And that was it. I was, Woo! It was like a, Chris, like a cartoon. But my, those my guys first, that just – there's guys that are 300 pounds, and there's guys that are heavy 300 pounds. Chris yeah. always one of those guys. He's a heavy, heavy 330, 350. That he was just solid, and you just kept feeling like if you hit him, you're just almost like a little gnat. You know, I mean, he had me by almost 100 pounds at that point. But yeah. Chris was, Chris was, uh, I don't think he'd mind me telling t- telling you this. He started, I remember he started a season. I want to say he started the season at like 335, 340. But by the end, end of the year, my first or second year there, he weighed like 396. Oh, yeah. No, and, I don't. I mean, that's like, that's a lot of weight to put on. And, yeah. and like, you, you know, you kind of noticed, but he was such a big dude. Like, you're like, ah, you're still playing pretty well, man. Like, 400 yeah. pounds looks good on you. <laughs> so I've, I've literally never said in my entire life but four yeah. pounds looks pretty good on you so. i always that was always one of my like playing uh chris not not so much with chris but with albert hainsworth it was whatever i do made sure not to piss him off 
can't compliment him. He's great guy. How you doing? Good to see you. No. Oh yeah, you got me on that one. There's no point in pissing guys like that off because they're gonna they're gonna take four plays off and then they're gonna make you look so stupid on that fifth. Just they're he was really that guy that like all right, okay, I got you next time. And he would forget the ball, blow <laughs> blow me up backwards, and the ball would be up. He'd still be trying to push me back red, and the ball's 20 yards downfield. But it was, those were the guys that really been the hardest. They were, one, they weren't consistently effort guys, and they were big. So you wouldn't know I'd get five or six plays, and then they decided to go. Five or six plays, then they decided to go. Then I'd think, hey, this is the fifth or sixth play, and then they wouldn't go the next play they would. So that was those big guys that are lazy guys. Really yeah, are you and I are kind of the same build, so we kind of have this. We have the same issues as far as you know. If you get, if you get a big, well, you know what I mean. If we're you know six six five two hundred somewhere between two two eighty five and three hundred, depending on what day it is. But I remember I remember Hainsworth and Rugi was playing center. It was a preseason game. I can't remember. I can't remember. It must have been two thousand three, two thousand four. You must have been hurt, or maybe you're playing tackle. I can't remember. But uh, either way, yeah. But uh, but Hainsworth in the and so Jeff Fisher's on their sideline. And Hainsworth and I had already gotten like we'd mix it up a couple times in in, in our careers, and uh, <laughs> I, something happened on a bull rush. We started talking to each other, and we ran a screen, and I earholed that son of a bitch so hard, and he got up and just swung and just tried and literally hit me in the helmet and tried to knock me out through my face mask. And so of course now we're I'm laughing because like you know what an idiot you know hit me in the face mask. But now we're going back and forth. And uh, it's next play. I just I, like we break the hell. I go, Rugi, uh, you might want to take a look over here. It's going to be And so, so I'm blocking him. And Doug, whoever's in the, they throw a pick. So I'm I'm running down the sideline, and we go. It's going towards Tennessee sideline. So I'm running, running, and at the last minute, like I spider sense, like Haynes was going to try to kill me right now. And I'm right next to Fisher, and I look, and Haynes was coming right at me, and I sidestep him, and we just like glance each other, and we butt up and Fisher gets in and I'm just like, and I'm thinking, and I, you know, I should have gone to Jeff like, Hey, I think you just saved my life. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. He's that dude. He was that guy. Yeah. So, so I should have said, thank you. I'm sorry for having done that to you, Mr. Hensworth. <laughs> oh he was, he was, a, he was a mean dude. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. Having to deal with, but remember, you remember we played against Detroit spell and Brett runs all the way downfield on the screen. He's Spellman. playing like 20 yards and he goes and crush Chris Spellman for nowhere ever. Spielman. So what is it? First name, Chris. Alonzo Spellman. Alonzo Spellman. There you go. Yeah. And so we see it happen. Like, oh, no, don't do it. And we got to spread all the way down just to make sure he doesn't kill Brett when he's done. Like, I just, you know what I remember from that play the most we've talked about on the show before was was the next play. We get back in the huddle at Tauscher because he was playing against Tauscher. And he was like third string at that point. It wasn't even, but you know, he, you know, he was mad. Tauscher's like, thanks a lot, Brett. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Brett always thought, nice. you know, we yeah. like lives on the line to protect him, but he's like, I'll just get him pissed off. Like, Come oh, on. Oh, man. Stop, John, with staff. Stop doing this. Just do your, do your thing. Don't make my job harder than it needs to be. Hey, we got to get off my long statement, Mike. This is we we've done this before with you. I want to start with this: roughing the passer penalties, right? Like Jordan Love got one on like the third play of the game. Ninety-seven, like touched his helmet. Get a you know gets a get a roughing the passer. But we're getting a little bit old. And here's here's honestly what I'm worried about. My kids play soccer, so I, I got to watch a ton of professional soccer. And the behavior of, and this happens in basketball. It's you and I are both basketball players. You like studio gangsters, tough, like Tommy tough guys, right? Because no, there's no consequences for bad behavior anymore. Yep. So back in the day, if there was like somebody was cheap shot you, there's something bad going on. There was a little bit of self-policing on the field because, Hey, listen, if you're going to cheap shot my guy, I, I'm going to get you. Like one of us is going to get you. Right. Especially yep. pack mentality up front. 
And what I'm really concerned about is like they're taking away all of the violence in this sport now that isn't like completely crystal clear. And now we're going to get a bunch of soccer players running around out here not knowing how to behave. Yeah. Well, I've, you know, I've seen a couple of times that flopping started to show itself in the NFL where they're, you know, like, you know, when you, when you see it in slow motion, like the guy didn't even hit him, but you know, bring attention, throw your arms in the air, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, that's uh that's a little embarrassing for, for the sport as a whole, but uh, theatrics are becoming more and more important, I guess. It really, it, yeah, they really are. It's like every time I think about fights, by the way, the, the only fight that I can really pops into my head every time, well, I don't even remember this one it was basketball. I think it was, um, Alonzo Mourning is fighting Larry Johnson, and then Jeff Van Gundy runs over, and I think he was Alonzo Mourning. He's like trying to wind up. Remember, he like grabbed onto his leg, was like hanging on like a koala bear. That's that, that, that literally is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Still, where ankle biter came from. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, of all things to do, because you'd be more pathetic to go and dive in somebody's leg and hold on to him. I mean, granted, even if you were standing up, you're still only waist high. But you know, uh-huh. this. <laughs> so, Kevon uh, uh, Thibodeau gets yeah. cut. You see, I'm sure you've seen the play. Um, I think by unless I'm missing something, that's still a legal play. Like Titans can come inside out and still still cut on the backside. He's in the tackle box. Uh, as long as you get your head across. As long as you get your head across. Well, but it but because it's like set, it's inside out of the play. I think it's I think it's legally the way. You just can't go outside in, right? Okay, I think so. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, so every, and everyone's outraged, fine, this and that. Everyone, everyone's furious about it. But here's like the real here's the real sad thing. That's all a tight end can really do nowadays, unless yeah. you got like a Mercedes Lewis, right? UCLA product. Yeah. But all these guys are just slot receivers that are like six foot six, six foot seven, <laughs> don't know how to block. What happened? Like, there's a handful of teams that got fullbacks. Like, the real travesty is that we created this like H back position for tight end. So, oh, yeah, our H back now, so you can go across and wham the, uh, the, the defensive end instead of just getting fullbacks who know how to hit. Yeah. And well, that's you know, get, these guys have become that that hybrid mix of receiver tight end where they're, you know, all back. To, it's it creates such headaches. I mean, for defensive coordinators, but then they're still. It's like they're always trying to protect guys. You can only protect. Well, you can't have a guy that weighs two hundred twenty pounds blocking a three hundred pound guy on a consistent basis and expect him to do something. You got to give him some advantageous help. You got to let him cut or don't call the hold on the backside or do something. Cause the guy's going to eat his lunch 99% of the time. He just happened to get that one, you know, got in there on it, but yeah, they're trying to, there, there is a little bit of a, the safety nuances expanded from head to everywhere. Just because you cut a guy doesn't mean you're trying to end their, end their career, but there's gotta be some middle ground where you gotta have guys that, that weigh 230 pounds. If you're going to block us, you gotta give them something to make it a fair battle. That's just a talking verbal nonsense right there. No, it's it's, it's absolutely true because you're you're absolutely right. You're asking them to do something that really, if you get down to it, it because the, the, the rules are you can't block below the waist. So even like you can't hit him in the thigh. So then yeah. it's like, how easy is it for me to decrease my surface area if I, if you, if I know you can't go for my legs? Yeah. You know? the, and the other thing is like, and those guys are actually so bad at it that you'll hear some D tackles like, dude, I didn't even mind when you guys tried to do that because – Usually, if I could read it, it's actually an easy play. Like, it's an easy tack for me. I can get garbage points. Yeah. Right? It's like garbage tacks, garbage tackles for loss because guys don't really do a good job of throwing themselves when they're trying to cut. Yeah, it's really – well, you can't – that's one of those things that – game games that you can't duplicate that. And no. So, getting that actual practice playing against guys who will – when they don't know whether it's high or it's low and you need to – to how how to play off that it's it's such a it's a thing you don't want to do against your own guys because you could hurt them in practice so it, therefore it's a blocking technique that is hardly ever that isn't frequently used and not done well since you don't you don't have time to practice so it's something you're like yeah just get on the inside just go ahead and cut him well go ahead and cut him the guy's moving you know 
all over the place. But it's a it's used it's infrequently used so you're nobody's really good at it. And usually when you're not good at it, either it means you're gonna whiff or you're gonna hurt somebody. Because hey, in honor of uh, honor of an offensive this offensive line takeover, and I know you got to go. Our last thing here, I have a hero of the week. I just want to I just want to read this to you. So Hooters, and I know you were, like I don't. You remember when Hooters opened up in Green Bay? It was like the biggest thing in the world. Oh, God, it was, what a great oh, yeah. day! It was what a great weekend that was. But oh. Hooters just signed fifty-one college offensive linemen to NIL deals, and the chain said, "I'm just, I'm reading this from the paper." The chain said it wanted to sign offensive line groups rather than individual athletes is now working with players from Auburn, LSU, Oklahoma, Miami, Georgia Tech, Missouri, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Florida, Atlantic, and USF. Quote, for decades, the physical play, blue-collar mentality, and on-field leadership of the offensive lineman has shined, but national praise and attention for these crucial players has all too often been sidelined. We want to change the narrative and celebrate these elite, elite student-athletes who play a pivotal role in making college football so thrilling and give them a fair share of the spotlight. That's from Chief Marketing, off- Chief Marketing Officer Bruce. Translate Scala. that. For, but translating that means we couldn't. We didn't want to pay as much money for anybody with skill, so we're going to take the fat guys and we're just going to feed them. Because I was just going to say, like, it just means we don't have to pay them a single dollar. Oh, we're we going to have. Hey, we have, we have, we have uniforms and fried chicken. That's all. What else need. do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, listen, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know you got to run and pick up your daughter, man. It was awesome having you on, and. Uh, for fans of the show, fans of Mike, uh, Mike, I don't think, I think your Twitter handle is I don't do twitter.com or something like Pretty that, much. right? Pretty much. All right. So you'll never see Mike again unless he's on the show or another show <laughs> following him. Or, uh, or if you're on a social media account trying to talk to my daughter, that's the only other way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You, that's, that's the one way you do not want to see him. I promise you that. <laughs> Jesus, H. Well, listen, Mike, thanks for being on, man. We'll talk to you soon, huh? All right. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.